Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hey, so welcome to another action-packed episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Flood. Thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you. Today we have a return guest. Jasper was on our show all the way back in episode number 13, over a year and a half ago. And during that episode, we talked about Jasper's amazing lifestyle, how he set up this lifestyle business simply by renting out his apartment on Airbnb while he traveled the world permanently. He quit his job as a financial trader hated having a boss, and became a full-time traveler ever since 2010, using Airbnb to fund this whole lifestyle. Now we're going to uh, change the topic a little bit. We're going to talk about travel hacking and how he's able to squeeze more value out of every mile that he travels. We're going to talk about uh, flight hacking, travel hacking, how to sign up for rewards programs, and to get some really sweet deals when you travel. Jasper has been traveling full-time for over five years, I guess almost six years now, and in one year, he flew around the entire world without paying for a single flight, just using frequent flyer points. So I have never gotten a free flight in my life. I've never done uh, flight hacking like this. So I'm super excited to see what I can learn, and I'm definitely going to apply some things from this interview. So Jasper, I just want to say thank you for joining us again and sharing your time with us. Yeah, thanks for your opportunity, Danny. It's my pleasure. Always a pleasure to chat with you. So. Perhaps you can just give me the quick rundown of how you got started, you know, where were you before and what was your early experience travel hacking like? Why did you get into this? Well, I mean, I, I never made a conscious decision that I was going to you know, be a travel hacker, so to speak. Um, it's just that when I started traveling, I, I kind of just looked into the, the best ways for me to get the most rewards out of my own travels. And so... You know, being a, a European citizen, the uh, the options are a little bit more limited as as the the options that you have as a U.S. citizen. So it was pretty straightforward for me what credit card I should sign up with, and then um, you know the credit card will give me points for for each mile that I fly, and you know beyond that it's. It's uh, it's just picking the airlines that give you the most points. It's picking the 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 right flights. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's uh, it's picking a longer flight um, for the same price just to get more miles. So there's there's a there's a few things um, that that, uh, that I was doing to sort of maximize the amount of points that I would get. It's also like making sure that every everything I pay for would be paid on my credit card. And um, but I've never even I'd never even heard of the term travel hacking to be honest when I start traveling. You know, I I just saw it as a as a sort of a common sense thing to do because, um, you know, when you're spending money, why wouldn't you want to get the most um, most value for for your dollars, right? Yeah, so it's just about uh, putting expenses that you already pay for uh, on a card and then making sure you earn points from that, basically, right? Yeah, exactly, and, and choosing the right airlines to fly with. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's different uh, airlines, obviously, that you can sign up for, so you want to, like, think about uh, which which airline do I want to sign up with? Which program are they in? Because there's there's three main programs, 
You know, there's Star Alliance, there's One World, and there's Sky Team. So you want to think about what region of the world I'm going to fly in mostly, and and which of those alliances are are most dominant in those regions, because that will give you the most flexibility. So which credit card did you start out with, and do you have a number of different credit cards today? So I have an American Express card, and it's it's a card that I've owned uh, for uh, for a while. Because um, you know, when you're a European citizen, um, you don't really get the juicy sign-up bonuses that are available in the U.S. So there's when you think of travel hacking, you really need to think of it as as two different things. It's there's there's travel hacking for for U.S. citizens, and there's travel hacking for the rest of the world. And uh, the big difference comes from the fact that. American customers tend to be way more valuable to the banks, and so they can afford to pay a much higher amount of money to acquire clients than they they do in Europe. So, you know, when you're a European citizen, it uh, it doesn't really uh, you know help to to switch credit cards all the time. Um, in the UK, there it's a little bit better, but definitely mainland Europe, um, you're you're mostly just uh, uh, you just have to um, you know, pick the right credit card and then just go with it and optimize, you know, on that card. Okay, so your co-instructor for your travel hacking course, uh, Eric Paquette, I think he has, uh, he has like 25 different cards, doesn't he? Something like that? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I've been doing this stuff, just trying to maximize, optimizing my own situation for a while. And, uh, and I knew Eric and I knew he, he was doing some crazy stuff. You know, he was like literally... I don't think he's ever paid for a single flight almost. Like, it's, it's just insane. I always saw him, you know, on, like, first class, business class flights. And, you know, I was always wondering, like, how is that even possible? And, and again, I never heard of the term travel hacking until then. So I talked to him about it. And I wanted to do a, a travel course on, on Udemy. I wanted to teach people, you know, how, how you can maximize value. And so I was talking to him. And then I realized how much value he was getting by... You know, by literally signing up for free for credit cards every year and pocketing like you know 150, 200 thousand miles just on those sign-up offers, and um, and so we decided to do the course together because I realized that he was he was the real expert. So we did the course together. But by doing the course, you know, I learned all these different things myself as well. So. You know, I, I know a lot about the travel hacking now because uh, because I, I created the course together with him. <laughs> and that's the best way to learn something is to teach it, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's very true. Like, put yourself in the shoes of the teacher and then suddenly you, uh, you, you hold yourself to a higher standard. So. That's really smart. I think that's the greatest strategy. If, if there's something that you want to learn about, um, you know, write a book about it or create a course about it. And that forces you to become the expert in a really short time. Yeah, I mean, and you can also monetize that newfound expertise at the same time. Yeah, and it's the same way I learned about this uh, this other thing called sleep hacking. I don't know, have you ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I wrote a book about uh, sleep hacking because it was something I wanted to learn about, and then uh, you approached me about uh, creating a course. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's it's. I agree with you. It's a really it's a really cool thing to do too, and it's more fun, you know, doing something together anyway, right? Uh, I mean, I've, I've built courses by myself, and then you're just sitting in, in a room by yourself with a, with a camera and a, and a microphone for like a couple of weeks, kind of like isolated. So it's also much more fun to do things together. 
Yeah, and it's it's harder to keep yourself accountable, but when there's someone else on your ass, you know, that's um, on you, then it's you're more likely to follow through. And uh, I just interviewed Soren Constantine. He's another Udemy instructor, and he was able to create 17 courses in one year, 17 Udemy courses. And what he said one of the, the tricks to his success was always partnering with someone to create the courses. Yeah, wow, 17 courses in a year. That's a, that's a pretty uh, good achievement. Yeah, pretty impressive number. It's, it's really difficult to come up with all that, that kind of content. So... Yeah, it takes. I mean, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Well, cool. So we're we're digressing a little bit here, but I think I think that's an important uh, learning hack that we we just discussed. Um, if you want to to really know something, don't read about it. You know, teach it. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I've I've, been, I, I think, uh, I've done speed reading courses and stuff, and and that's the exact same thing he said in the speed reading book is that uh, when you, as you're reading something, pretend that you have to teach it in like less than an hour to like. I don't know, a room full of people. And you have mm-hmm. to find out what's most important uh, and kind of break it down for them. And that's kind of the way that you can filter through the information quickly and find out what you really need to know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to make one more point on this subject before we go back to uh, the trail hacking, um, you know, have you heard of the website Expert Enough? Expert Enough? No, I haven't. So this is one of the first websites that I ran into when I started creating products because I always felt like I was questioning myself. I always asked myself, "Am I? Do I have enough expertise to be teaching this?" Yeah, and and then I came across this website, Expert Enough, and it's all about how if you have more than average knowledge about a, a subject, then you can already teach more than fifty percent of the population, right? So people always feel like, "Oh, you you have to be like the, the you know the number one expert in the world to." to justify teaching something, but it's, that's not really not the case because you got to realize that most people, you know, don't know very much at all, don't or know very little about the subject, that whatever the subject is that you teach about. So just by, you know, by having some knowledge about it, it's, it's already enough to be teaching some people. Yeah, that's a great point. And you can also advance so much faster this way because I remember reading an article on 4-Hour Workweek like several years ago. It was about David Heinemeyer Hansen, and I think he developed uh, Ruby on Rails and, uh, you know, he was this programmer who wanted to get into competitive speed racing. And what he did is, like, he was, he was just good enough to be dangerous. And, you know, on the lower levels, like, he never really finished first or anything. But um, he would always advance to, like, a higher circuit, you know, like, to a higher level of competitiveness. And even though he was kind of in the middle of the pack, by, by just, like, just being good enough to qualify for the higher level and then moving up rather than, while everyone else was trying to become first in the lower circuits... Uh, he advanced so much faster that way. And so when he went back to like some of these lower levels after competing at the highest level, he was able to dominate the same drivers easily that were still there when uh, he advanced. So I think that's a really interesting point is that uh, you can advance yourself faster if um, you join the ranks of the experts. You know, if, if you jump up to that higher level, and then suddenly you, you can you network with them. Suddenly you're competing on a different level, and then you you advance much faster than you even realized. So yeah, kind of, absolutely. Kind of similar to what you were saying, but like a different analogy. Yeah. Just enough. Yeah, to, no, just good enough to be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great point there. Um, yeah. So going back to to travel hacking, um, you mentioned that it's different for U.S. citizens and uh, different for non-U.S. citizens. 
I want to talk about credit score, but first I want to, I want to ask you about um, what, what is possible for U.S. citizens. Like they basically sign up for a card, they get all these rewards, and then they, they cancel the card in a year or so and then sign up for another one. Is that right? Well, that's, that's one strategy. But preferably don't cancel the cards because keeping um, – or one part of the credit score is actually the, uh, the average age of your accounts. So it's always well, – not always, but almost always better to keep accounts open. But what you can do is you can call the bank and you can negotiate to either wave, get the fee waived so that you can have the card for free or – some banks might be willing to give you what's called a statement credit. So it's just, a, it's just another way to give you the money back, basically. Because some banks, they're not allowed to waive the fee, but then they'll just give you the same amount of money uh, on your card as a credit. So, but it all boils back to lifetime customer value for, for the banks. You know, every person who has a credit card has a certain amount of value that the banks calculate. So they know if somebody signs up for a credit card, on average, the bank is going to make X amount of dollars off that person throughout the, throughout the life of that person, right? Now, that value is much higher in the U.S. Than it, than it tends to be in Europe. And that has to do with the fact that in Europe, a lot of people pay their credit, bill, credit card bills late. And the, the banks are able to charge a very high interest on that. Whereas in Europe, the, the culture is a bit different. Like people usually uh, link up their cards with their bank accounts and they, they, they have automatic payments. So, so it's not – the customers aren't as valuable in the U.S. of in Europe. But, but so in the U.S., you know, because the value of these customers is so high, banks will do a lot to either acquire a customer or to retain one. So if you, if you sign up for a credit card and – you know, when, when the time comes that your first fee is due, you call the bank. And, you know, in our course, we actually have live, uh, or we have recordings of phone calls that Eric had with banks where he got, he got them the, the fee wave. But you call the bank and you say, hey, listen, this, this card is not really that valuable to me. You know, there's a few other cards that, uh, that are actually better. So, you know, if, if I have to pay for it, then I'm, I'm just going to cancel the, the card. And so now the bank has two options. They can either offer you something to retain you as a customer or they can go out and find a new customer. Now, finding a new customer typically is more expensive for the bank than retaining a current customer because to get a new customer, they have to do marketing, they have to you know, pay a, a sign-up bonus. So they'll, they'll have, they have an incentive to retain you. And so if you, if you play your cards well... If you negotiate well, you you can get uh, you can get the fee waived, and you know it's it's funny because I was I have a lot of uh, friends from the U.S. who have never been into travel hacking. They they maybe even you know not even travelers, but I tell them about this, and you know, and the first thing they do is they say, "Well, I, I had my card for five years. I pay hundred bucks a year." They call their bank and they get the they get the fee waived, and, and so even they they don't even have the. Uh, 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 like plans to travel, but they're still getting a lot of value out of it. Yeah, and you can rack up a lot of rewards without ever traveling at all. Uh, but when you when you get all these sign up bonuses, first of all, tell me some of the the best cards to get the sign up bonuses from. I know that American Express has uh, one really sweet deal. There there are a couple others, aren't there? 
Well, it, it really varies, you know, because the banks, they change their offers all the time. And, but, the, but in general, American Express cards are typically really good because they, uh, they charge quite a high fee to the, uh, to the, the merchants. So they make a lot of money of you. So they also have a lot of money to give away, basically. So, you know, one, the SPG card by American Express is, uh, is, is, a, is a favorite among, amongst a lot of people. But uh, but Star, you know, Starwood preferred guest card, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, yeah, the SPG Starwood preferred, preferred guest. Okay. That one is like really popular. It's it's a, it's a good card. But um, it you know it it it's really hard to uh, to say what card is best in general because it really depends on on what your plan is, you know, and where you live. Because because travel hacking is really it's not just a few like quick hacks or short time like shortcuts or something. It's more it's more a a elaborate plan that you put in place, a long term plan that maximizes value for you. So you know when you are thinking about what credit card to sign up with, you need to figure out first what what airline are you going to fly with most. Because if you get the the United Express of, of the United Airlines um, card, then you get more points when you fly with United than if you fly with one of the other airline partners. And so, you really have to do some research. You have to look at all the different banks. Um, what are their offers right now? Which airlines you know are you going to fly with most? Where are you based? And that that's a big thing. You know, if you're if you're based in uh, in, for example, uh, if you're based in the on the on the West Coast, like United is uh, is is very uh, big in like LA and San Francisco, so you know then United is probably going to be a good option. But if you're in Atlanta or in Chicago, then it could be another one, right? So it's uh, it's it's really uh, something that you have to evaluate case by case. I think some of these cards they um, have partnerships with these airline alliances though, right? So these mm-hmm. different airlines partner together to offer a greater diversity of flights, right? Yeah, that's right. So there's some cards, um, like most American Express cards, you, you, you know, when you spend money, you get miles and those can be transferred to a number of different airlines. But, you know, it's not all airlines. So for example, my card, I can transfer to KLM, I can transfer to British Airways, to Iberia and, and, and Delta and a few others. But um, you still, you know, it's not all airlines, so you still have to be, you still have to make sure that the card that you get, that the points that you're going to be earning are transferable to the airline that you're going to fly most. And secondly, so there's, there's two things. You have, the, you have the credit card company, which could be American Express, or it could be, you know, it could be another company, but you also have the different airline programs. Right, so if I get the, you know, I can I can get an, uh, <clears throat> an American Express card, um, or let's say I can get a, a Barclays card that's tied to, you know, tied to British Airways, for example, um, you know, and, and th- those points could be transferable to some other airlines as well. But when I fly with 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 British Airways in that case, I'm going to get double points, right? So. Yeah, you're you're right. Some some points are transferable, but you still you still want to look at you know what's the airline that I'm going to fly with, and you know where do I how can I get the most points for that for that airline and which card suits my situation best. 
Okay, then, so some cater more to North America, some are better for Europe, and then others maybe for international? Is that right? Um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, it, it really depends on, uh, you know, I, I don't know, uh, I don't keep, really keep track of, of all the, the best offers that are out there, you know, especially okay. because I'm not a U.S. citizen, so... I can't really comment on the uh, on the on the best sort of deals that are out there right now. But what's I mean the 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 bottom line is you know if you want to get into travel hacking, it's not something that you just can figure out in like half an hour or an hour or something. You know, it's you really got to sit down and uh, look at a lot of different factors, compare different offers, uh, think about your credit score, think about your spending, how much are you spending per month, how much extra money can you put on your card. You know, what can you do? Yeah, what, what is your income going to look like in the future? It's really, uh, it's really something that you have to, you know, be very, um, be very elaborate with. You know, you, you have to really spend some time, put some effort into uh, to to make it work. But then, you know, the rewards can be pretty big. And and this is also the reason that this is even possible. You know, because the reason that it's possible is because there are so many people who keep the same credit card for a really long term time and they don't take advantage. You know, they don't call the bank to waive to get the fee waived. They don't, you know, switch, get a lot of other credit cards. They just have one credit card. That's what they use. And those customers are so valuable. And because, and, and those customers are pulling up the average uh, value of, of, a, of a customer for the banks. Right, so the reason that there's so much value out there for those who are willing to put in the effort is because of most other people aren't. And those customers have a high lifetime value for the bank, so they'll they'll do a lot to win those customers. Yeah, I mean, well, the the thing is, like, the bank doesn't know when you when you call a bank and you say, "Hey, can I uh, get a credit card?" Like, they they don't know yet, like, how much you are going to spend on that card. They don't know if you're a travel hacker or not, so they just judge you. <laughs> You know, on the, they just look at the average value of a client. They say, okay, this is a client. The average client makes us, you know, X amount of dollars. So that's, you know, based on that, they're going to give you an offer. They don't know if you're Danny Flood and you're you're looking to squeeze every single penny out of them, or or if you like uh, uh, Joe. How do you call how do you call people the, like the the normal person in the U.S. <laughs> So, so basically, you're taking advantage of the complacency of the banks and also, um, I guess, the complacency of these customers who aren't taking advantage of these opportunities. Yeah, well, it's, you're not really... Well, here's the thing. You're taking advantage of the complacency of the customers, not really the banks, because the banks are doing everything to optimize their own situation, but they simply, you know, they simply can't uh, distinguish between somebody who, you know, who is going to squeeze every single dollar out of it or not they, they don't know so they're just they're optimizing their own situation so you're not it's not like you're screwing the banks or something you know it's it's not like that at all it's just that other people aren't taking advantage of these uh, of the opportunities that are there and therefore you can and the banks are, are cool with it the banks are still uh, you know they just do what's best for them hey jesper is your cook still over there i'm getting a little bit of background noise She's still making something. <laughs> no, no, she's she's not doing anything. Oh, uh, I was getting a little noise there for a second. Um, okay, cool. So, is it possible that you can uh, provide us like a, maybe just a short list of some different cards that people can check out? We can put that on the show notes page. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of websites that um, that will tell you what what cards are best, but you have to be a little bit careful because. Uh, you know, there's there's big affiliate uh, payments on, on cards as well. So, you know, a, a lot of people will um, uh, a lot of people with websites they'll they'll make a page and say like, oh look, these are the best cards. But the only reason that they do that is because they uh, you know they just want to get the uh, uh, they want to get the affiliate uh, uh, commission payments. So. Um, I mean, my buddy Eric has a has a website, uh, abroaders.com slash cards, and I know that he's actually not making any commissions on these cards. So this, you know, he has an objective selection of of the best cards. So I, I would recommend people check that out. Okay, that's abroaders.com forward slash cards. We'll put that in the show notes. And um, looks like he's got uh, American Airlines card, uh, Chase cards. Pretty good, yeah. list, pretty good list here and, and pretty well uh, explained. Some good descriptions on there. So we'll, we'll put a link to that. Very sure. Cool. So, so the next part of the equation um, is that you having the highest credit score that you can is important. And what's, what's the best way to get started, you know, building up your credit score? What kind of investment or effort do you need to make? What do you recommend? Well, the most, I mean, the most important thing to... To get a good credit score is to always pay your bills on time, and that's by far the most important thing. And then there's also there's also the utilization um, that you have in your in your current credit card. So, um, as a general rule of thumb, you don't want to you don't want to be over thirty percent of your utilization rate. So let's say that you have a five thousand dollar limit on your credit card, then you don't really want to go any higher than like you don't want to spend more than fifteen hundred dollars on that card. If you go over fifteen hundred, then you want to make a you know a midterm payment, as it's called. So you don't want to wait till the end of the month before you make your payment, because that can also have a you know a negative effect on your credit score. So I mean, if you if you just like pay your bills on time, make sure you don't go over that thirty percent. Um, that's uh, you know those are those are the biggest factors. Uh, so what about someone like myself? I've never had a credit card before, and I don't even know what my credit score is. Well, what do you recommend to uh, check out what your credit score is and, and kind of get started? Well, there there are a few services out there where you can actually check your uh, credit score. So it's supposed one to be free, could... though, right? I feel like there's a lot of scams out there. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's there's some paid services. Um, but there's also some services that will – there's a service that's free, but it'll, it'll give you an estimate um, of what your credit score is. So I, I can look up some of the, uh, some of the links and we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. I don't know them off the top of my head. Okay. But, um, but there's a few ways that you, can, uh, that you can figure out what your score is. Okay. And um, once you determine what your score is, I mean, what's, uh, what's the – base number that you should shoot for to get started to get your first card? I'm sorry, can you say that again? I didn't hear you. Yeah, so once you find that out, you know, once you find out your score, what's the base number, the minimum number that you should shoot for in order to get started and take advantage of this opportunity? Well, 
Okay, so when you're applying for a card, um, you should have a score of at least 670, because otherwise you're very likely to get declined. So anything above that, um, you, should be, you should be okay. Okay, 670. And the best way I can do that is, uh, well, I guess so. I guess I'm a little confused. So if, if I get a card and um, I put my expenses on there, I pay all my bills on time, uh, my, my score will go up. But what if my score already is too low now? Uh, how can I get it up faster? Well, I mean, your score is probably is not going to be very, uh, very. It's not going to be low if you've never, if you've never paid bills over time, if you've never been um, registered with uh, with some late payment agencies and stuff like that. You know, if if you have a, a clean history, then there's no reason why your score wouldn't be high. Um, unless you know other things that uh, affect your score, for example, if you have a lot of loans, right? So. I mean, I think uh, if, if you're just starting out, you, you're probably going to be already. So um, I guess what I want to ask you is if I already have a low credit score, if I'm at, say, 300, 350, I want to get to 670. I've never had a card before. Uh, where should I start, you know, rebuilding my credit, especially if I'm, you know, living outside of the U.S.? I pay my bills on time, but then you know I'm just paying in cash here. So how am I how am I increasing my score? I guess I want to ask. It's it's, it's very difficult if you're not in the U.S. <laughs> it's very difficult. I mean, I, I'll give you an example. Like when when I moved to the U.S. in uh, back in uh, in 2009, um, I I started working in Chicago as a trader, and you know I was not I wasn't able to get an American credit card. Because they told me, you know, your credit score isn't good. But I, I mean, I was making a ton of money at the time. In fact, this is kind of funny, but um, I, I got a big bonus when I when I was in the US, and and so I decided to buy the sports car. You know, I, I went to buy Aston Martin, and uh, I went to the bank uh, to to get a check for one hundred and ten thousand dollars, and the same bank that wrote me that check. Because I, you know, I, I had that money in my account. The same bank denied me the credit card. Even though you had that money in your account. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, because they look at your credit. They say, "Oh, uh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, you know, you, we don't receive a very low credit score." And I'm telling them, "I'm like, well, that's because I moved to the U.S. like two months ago, so I haven't had the time to, you know, build up a credit score." But look, I have like. A ton of money in my uh, in my my bank account. You can see like you know how much my salary coming in every month. Um, you know, it's pretty clear that I'm going to be a, a, a customer with a very low risk of of not paying the money. So, but they they don't care. They just have the the rules are the rules. You know, they just look at the credit score. So, for me to to build up a, a, a good enough credit score. You know, I think it took me about a year or so, a year of just paying my phone bills, paying my, my utility bills, TV, internet, that kind of stuff. You know, that's what they look at. Okay, so it's just basic, uh, just everyday expenses, you know, your utilities expenses, living expenses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that.
So uh, if, if you pay like a check to your landlord or you pay a check to the utility company, they will report that you paid on time to the credit agency, is that right? Yeah, because that's what the credit, that's what those agencies do. You know, they, they look at the, the records of uh, the payment records and they, uh, they look if you paid on time and it doesn't matter how you pay. Okay, gotcha. So every payment that you're making, either you're making or not making, it's all being reported, basically. They're keeping uh, tabs on you, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's their job. And that's why, you know, that's why these companies, uh, I think, to, to really get, the, get a report, like they charge for it. I mean, they charge the banks, you know, money for this. You know, it's, it's like a service. Okay, gotcha. So um, what's next? We talked about uh, credit cards. We talked about credit score. Um, there's, there's different points and rewards programs. You, you mentioned Starwood earlier. Uh, why don't you tell yeah. me about that? And, um, you know, Starwood is obviously, I think it's an alliance of hotels. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Star, Starwood is a, is a, it's a, it's a bunch, it's a hotel uh, reward program. Basically, It's a bunch of hotels that work together and, um, you know, you can get the, there's a, there's a Starwood, uh, Card. There's an American Express SPG card that we mentioned earlier, where if you if you you know if you book hotel rooms with that card, you'll you get uh, you get extra points, and um, and and as your status within the within the program goes up, you get even more points. But but even if you uh, if even if you don't have the credit card, you know it can still be pretty interesting to to look at these programs because basically what what happens is you need to you need to stay at any starwood hotel for a certain number of nights to get upgraded to the next status level and the most lucrative status level is i think it's called ambassador where you have a personal assistant basically at starwood that will help you and you get lots of benefits and stuff but that one's 100 nights so that's a lot but uh, the one that i went for is uh, platinum which is 50 nights and the, the the good thing about it is that you can choose the Starwood hotel that you stay at. So whether you stay at one of the more expensive hotels, like you know the, the, the Sheraton, for example, or you stay at one of the one of the cheaper hotels, it doesn't matter because one night just counts as one night. So what I did with uh, a buddy of mine. We found out that the uh, that we were able to get a really good deal at the at the loft in uh, in Bangkok, uh, where we were just paying just over fifty dollars a night, and it's still a really nice hotel. You know, it's still it's still a four star hotel. It has a gym, has a pool. It's 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 still a really good hotel. It's a sister sort of hotel of the, of the W, and um, <clears throat> it has an amazing breakfast buffet that was included in our price. So we're paying just over fifty bucks. Uh, staying at a really good hotel, like in one of the best areas in Bangkok, plus we're getting the buffet breakfast for free, and so that's that's a really good deal, and uh, and so 50 nights uh, set us back 2,500 dollars, um, and and you know we got our platinum status status, so with the platinum status you get all sorts of benefits, like you get a free breakfast on top of. Uh, the free breakfast we already had, so now we had two free breakfasts. So, you know, we could even invite friends to have, come and join us for breakfast. Uh, and uh, but also, if I stay at the at any Starwood hotel now, I'll, you know, I can always get a free breakfast. I can get late checkout. I can get early check-in. 
Is that good so, for one year, or is that uh, how long does that last? Yeah, that that's valid for one year, and uh, I also get ten upgrades per year, so I can book a normal room and then I get upgraded to a suite. So you know the benefits are pretty uh, are pretty nice, and and you know on top of that, obviously I get uh, I get uh, extra Starwood points, which I can use to uh, to stay at uh, at their hotels for free. And these Starwood hotels are all around the world. Is there like a, a, a listing of Starwood hotels that you can visit? Yeah, I mean, if you go, to, you just uh, Google Starwood hotels, and you'll you'll find that website. I mean, there's there's a lot of, of, of Starwood hotels. You know, just a, a loft has a, has I think hundreds of hotels uh, worldwide. But just go to the website starwoodhotels.com, and you can. Uh, you know, you'll see, uh, you can see where where all the hotels are. There, they're definitely like worldwide. There's, you know, probably like a couple thousand hotels or something. So, but the most well known is like it's, it's the Sheraton, it's the Westin, it's the uh, the Le Meridian. So there's some there's the W's and Regis, there's Four Points, a Loft. Um, there's a few others that they partner with, but those are the main ones. Very cool. So you went to one of the most inexpensive ones here. You mentioned Bangkok, which is about seventy-five to hundred dollars per night. But you negotiated for fifty nights and were able to uh, stay there for about twenty-five hundred. And for that twenty-five hundred, you were able to basically get all these rewards for a whole year and yeah. get free breakfasts for a whole year, basically. Yeah, but and, but also, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not paying twenty-five hundred dollars for that. I'm, I'm also getting fifty nights. At the hotel, right? Um, it's already a good deal, yeah. Um, because we're staying long, and we're also in the low season. So if if you wanna if you wanna do this, make sure to go in the low season. Uh, so we did it in, uh, in what was it September October, around the time it's uh, just before the the main season starts in, in in Asia. The high season is typically uh, sort of end of November through through early April. Easier to negotiate. So if you, yeah, if you go off season, these these hotels they they have all these empty rooms, and you show up and you say, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, let's let's talk about a fifty night stay. I mean, who stays at a hotel for fifty nights? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I know that like you basically. Yeah, I mean, it's it's for them. It's it's also a good deal, you know. They have a room booked for for the next <laughs> for the next like uh, almost two months. So so yeah, you, you can get the you have a lot of negotiation power there. Yeah, we're definitely the anomaly. You know, everyone else has to, to go back to work or go back to their household or uh, to, to wifey. But, but you, it's like you have no commitments. You can just stay for 50 minutes. It's a problem for you. Yeah, and it, it was a great experience too because you get to know all the staff and you, you get extra, you, you'll get extra perks as well. Like, you know, because, because everybody knows you. You know, the, you, you meet the manager in the elevator every other day and like you talk to people. So... You know, after after a week or so, uh, I remember uh, one time um, my buddy. Uh, we, we were at the gym and there was no water, and so you know we ended up uh, talking to the manager, and then the manager was like, "Well, you know what? Like you guys are staying here for fifty days. Um, let me just uh, let me arrange for you guys to have six bottles of complimentary water every day." So now suddenly, we, every morning, you know, we, we have six fresh bottles of water in our room. <laughs> So it's just it's just little things like that, you know. I mean, when you know when you know the people, and uh, you know, for example, at the at the breakfast buffet, you know, my buddy Ian he likes to eat a lot of vegetables. So after a few days, the the staff started noticing that, and uh, and, the, and 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 the next day we came, this this guy shows up and and just 
puts a huge plate of like you know cut vegetables in 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 front of him that that isn't even part of the buffet. Oh, that's fantastic! So you guys are living high on the hog here, uh, <laughs> being treated like foreign embassies or something like this. And in addition, yeah, right. in addition to the hotel room, you're getting the buffet breakfast. You're getting a, a free gym membership. You're getting a pool on the rooftop. You're getting all these sweet yeah. perks. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's Wi-Fi and there's a and, nightclub uh, uh, just below the rooftop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the loft is, is is an amazing uh, an amazing place to stay. And uh, you know, I wouldn't pay a hundred bucks a night because you know that's that's just too much given the the alternatives that are available in Bangkok. But but if you do it like this, then it's a it's a pretty good deal. And um, you know the, the platinum status that comes it's kind of like a bonus on top of it i mean it's already a pretty good deal yeah so a lot of your success with this travel hacking comes down to negotiating you know just people skills and um you know say hey will you work something out with us do you have a process because i know you have a lot of different templates that you use for communicating with the banks and negotiating with the banks and uh hotels you're, you're obviously really quite successful when you negotiate most of the time right yeah i mean i mean for the travel hacking uh you know in in, in, our, in our course we actually have some some phone conversations you know it's there's a and we have scripts available as well it's uh they're just based on understanding the the position of the other person right you understand like what are the options that the other person has um you know another another example um, that I that I haven't mentioned yet is has to do with uh, applying for credit cards, right? Because you know the way it works is if you apply for a credit card, um, the bank has has like a computer program that they use to to approve or to disapprove your uh, your application. You know, and there's also some status in the middle where it's like you know it's undecided, but um, but but at the end of the day. Um, even if your your application is denied, you can still call the bank and talk to one of the representatives and ask them, you know, why is the application denied? And then often it's actually the case that, you know, you just made a small mistake somewhere in the application, right? You may, maybe you forgot to fill something out or... Or it's just something small that actually has nothing to do with your credit score. So by just simply calling them and, and asking them, you can even ask them to reconsider. And, and at that point, you're talking, you're dealing with a human being, right? When you have somebody on the phone, you're dealing with a human being. And when, once you, when you're dealing with a human being, then you have a certain amount of control over, over uh, you know, the, the, the actions that that person will take. If you, you know, if, if you're... Uh, if you're being very polite, for example, uh, you make some jokes, or, or, or for example, you know, you, then that person is going to feel good. So, you know, that person will be much more likely to uh, to give you, uh, you know, to to approve your application. <laughs> and it's the same, same. I mean, the same is probably true with uh, negotiating the fees and and everything. You know, I know some people who are very, very good, just good with people in general, and it's amazing what they get done. You know. Like they could upgrade it to like business class, uh, or for for example, just by just by charming the the check in uh, the person at the check in counter. So a big part of it is your frame, I guess, because you know your frame is coming against the frame of the other person because you have your position, you have what you want, they have their position, and then you have to try to win them over to your side and, and negotiate with you, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just recognizing uh, what what their position is. Like when you, I mean, for example, when you uh, when you want to get your the fee waived, like you know that it's going to cost the bank more money to acquire a new client than to waive the fee. So you know you're you're in a really good position. So you know by by showing some persistence, um, you know you can get a lot of things done. Yeah, I do find it difficult here in Thailand to kind of negotiate with people. It's uh, they always tell me, you know, might I or you know stuff like this. Might I means cannot, <laughs> and that's kind yeah. of just the end of the story. <laughs> yeah, so, no, it's, it's, it's in uh, in Thailand, uh, people negotiate about everything, right? So everyone's pretty good at it. <laughs> but I think uh. I think it's easier if you talk to like a foreigner or something, or maybe if you're talking to the right person, uh, maybe a manager or something like that, versus just a salaried employee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's also that you know in 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 the West it's not so common to negotiate over everything, right? I mean, in Thailand you could negotiate pretty much over every single purchase you make, uh, and it's it's normal. So people are well trained in it. But um, you it's, know, it's true. In, but then they're also like more bound to the rules. I would say here, you know, like like this is the rules. Um, you know, everyone's expected to follow it. You know, they someone. Calls me out if I drink water on the BTS, you know, SkyTrain, for example. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I do find that sometimes it can be a little frustrating, but yeah, and it's it's you know what I it's funny that now that we're talking about negotiation, I I have a I have an uh, I built a course for for people who use Airbnb as as guests, and uh, the course kind of like teaches you how to negotiate with your Airbnb host. Now, and since I'm an Airbnb host. You know, I know both sides of the equation, you know, and I'm in both shoes. So, um, and, and it's funny because cause I almost never have to negotiate with my guests. Like my guests always, almost always just pay the price. But if they do negotiate, I'm always willing to, you know, to lower the price by 5, 10, or maybe sometimes 15, 20% based, you know, depending on the situation. So it's funny that like people just... It just doesn't cross their mind to to even negotiate. You know, why wouldn't you negotiate? Like you can negotiate over pretty much anything. I mean, the, the question is whether it's going to have a result. But but it's you know, if you don't do it, then there will be no result for sure. I guess it helps if you have a compelling reason for asking for the negotiation. For example, like if I say, "Hey, Jasper, I want to stay for a week. Uh, can we negotiate a, a lower weekly rate? Or I want to stay for fifty nights. Can we?" negotiate a mm-hmm. uh, lower 50 night rate or something like that. So if, if you know, if you try to negotiate without any reason, it's somebody's like, no, screw you, you know, get out of here. Yeah. But you can always, there's always one reason that you can come up with that's, that can be credible in any situation. And that's what I tell the, the Airbnb guests to do is just to tell the host that it's, you know, it's higher than the budget. That's, that's the reason I just, it's, this is hard on my budget. Can we negotiate? Yeah, you just yeah, you just say, look, uh, I really like your place, and I, I'd love to stay there, um, you know. But it's uh, unfortunately, I you know, my budget is a little bit lower than your price. Is there is there any way you can, you know, you can lower the price a bit? And then, you know, most of the time they'll they'll do it just like I would, because we're as an Airbnb host, you're you're happy with a booking. It's you know, you want to get bookings, and so if somebody's asking for for a lower price, I'll I'll give them at least something, unless. You know, unless it's like really far ahead, and and unless the composition of the group uh, isn't 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 um, ideal, like if it's a bunch of like young dudes who want to go out and party and stuff, 
But otherwise, yeah, I'll, I'll probably give them uh, at least something. You know, maybe not too much, but yeah, that's a good point because an empty room basically makes you no money. Exactly. So yeah, and I did the same yeah. thing. Now that I think about it, because uh, the place where I'm staying now, I'm just here for a month in Bangkok, and at first, you know, they told me that you know one month would be nine thousand baht, and I, I asked them, well. How much is six months? And I, I wanted to see, you know, do they come down if someone rents longer? And they said six months is sixty-five hundred a night. I'm sorry, sixty-five hundred a month. So I do know that when I just by asking them that, I, I see they are willing to kind of come down and negotiate. And then I just kind of did what you did and I said, well, you know, my, my budget is maybe seven thousand. You know, so could we work something out here? And you know, once once I asked them first to like kind of name their price and, and show that they do come down, you know, a little bit. I was able to to get it for eight thousand, so I was able to save a thousand just for one month uh, rental. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, if you don't ask, you you don't get anything. So you know, <laughs> if you ask, then you maybe you get something. Maybe not. Maybe you get you do. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So if, if we could break this process down into steps, everything that we talked about here, as far as um, I guess there's four or five steps here that. One, you know, you need to know your credit score and uh, come up with a, some kind of plan to increase your credit score. If you can get to a minimum of 670 or so, that would be a good uh, baseline to get started. Two, study different rewards programs to find something that works for you. And there's a list of different rewards. That we'll, we'll put a link to that. It's at abroaders.com. Uh, three, we talked about negotiating, how to negotiate for better deals with banks and with hotels. And then we talked about some other rewards like Starwood hotel programs, stuff like that. Is there anything that we're, we're missing here? Anything else that we should address? Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's one really important aspect uh, that you should, uh, you should think about, which is, which is your spend, right? You want to look at how much money are you spending uh, every month? Like how, what's your baseline, right? And this is how much can you put on your credit card? Because when you're, if you really want to like get into this, then the way it works with these cards is, let's say you sign up for a card, you get like fifty thousand uh, uh, miles or something. That use that always comes with a certain amount of money that you have to spend on that card, and there's a time frame <clears throat> attached to that as well. So it's it's typically something like, you know, you have to spend, you know, like two thousand or three thousand dollars in the next, you know, three to six months or something like that. So in order to know how many cards you can sign up for, you need, to be, uh, you need to be aware of how much you can spend on those cards. So to give you a concrete example, right? Um, so I'm just looking at the Abroaders page right now. There's City Executive AA Advantage. Uh, AA is uh, American Airlines. So there's 75,000 points, and the minimum spent is $7,500, and the deadline is 90 days. So... Within the next 90 days, you're going to have to spend $7,500. Now, if you can't actually do that, you know, if you don't have enough expenses to put on a card, then you're not going to get that bonus. So then the whole thing is pointless. So it's, it's one of the most important things is to figure out how much you can spend in the next 90 days and then select the card based on that. Right, like I'm looking at some of these SPG cards, and um, you know, there's one that has a minimum spend of three thousand within ninety days. Yeah, uh, and another one is five thousand. So, so basically, you can just put all your business expenses on these cards, right? Yeah, exactly. You 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 can. 
and you you, know, you can even apply for two cards. You can apply for a personal and a business card. And uh, I'm I'm also seeing the United Explorer, which uh, which only has a minimum spend of one thousand for the next ninety days. So you know, it's another point I wanted to mention. Like you don't have to make or spend a ton of money to be able to take advantage of some of these deals. Now, I know that Eric uh, actually started doing this when he was still a student. Oh, that's fantastic. So basically, you want to make sure you use the card as often as possible as well, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and you want to make sure that you plan ahead, right? Because you don't want to be in a situation where you sign up for a card and then you know, you're like 60, 70 days in and suddenly you realize that you're not going to make the minimum spend. Because then you're really missing out on uh, on the benefits, right? Um, now, some there's there's some other things that uh, that should be uh, mentioned as well. Um, first of all, the credit cards also come with uh, a bunch of benefits, and and that's something that uh, a lot of people forget. You know, um, for example, a lot of a lot of cards they have uh, price protection, purchase protection. Sometimes they have extended warranty. There's travel insurance on some cards. There's certain airline hotel benefits. So you really want to look at uh, it's what called uh, the card mail, card member bill of rights to see what kind of benefits you get from your card. You know, maybe maybe you can check in a bag for free or something like that. Yeah, and one point that I want to add too is I'm looking at these cards on a broader's, and two of them are Chase cards. And I know that Chase, if you use a foreign ATM, Chase will actually reimburse you for the ATM costs mm-hmm. abroad, and that's that's a huge one as well because I know that I pay like six seven dollars every time I use the ATM here with my yeah. my U.S. bank card, and I guess I just. That brings me to my next question. So all of these cards, I mean, you can sign up for them online, right? You don't have to actually go to like a Chase location. Yeah. And when you sign up for the card, you're basically opening an account as well, right? That's right, yeah. So you have to have like a minimum amount in that account? Um, it's, I, I'm not sure. Like it might vary per, per card. But uh, I, 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 don't think, I don't think you need to have a, uh, a minimum amount of money in the bank account. Because it's kind of just a credit card. You're, it's just a credit, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you, you, know, you use the card and then you pay at the end of the month. Um, but the one thing that's really important, by the way, like you always never have any late payments on your credit cards because they charge you like so much interest that... You know the whole the whole point of travel hacking kind of goes out of the window when you start being late on your payments. So always make sure that you have enough money to pay your card at the end of the month. And and this is I mean this is and a lot of people don't do that. And that's why again the banks are making so much money of of uh, of their clients. Um, well, you know one one thing I uh, <clears throat> I wanted to mention as well is um, you know there's if you want to take it to the next level, so you, you know you can sign up for a couple of cards a year and, and, and get like a fifty, or hundred thousand, two hundred thousand points or something, um, which uh, gives you uh, quite a bit of room to travel internationally. Um, you know that's I think uh, you can get uh, flights from the U.S. to Europe for you know maybe like thirty thousand points, thirty forty thousand points depends a bit on the program, <clears throat> and also um, you know there's uh, the, there's a whole uh, 
we can talk a long time about uh, booking the, the award tickets as well because there's different award tickets. You know, there's the there's the, the cheaper one, and it depends on the availability. So you always want to find the, the best deals, and then there's airlines that do promos. I remember one time I flew from China to Amsterdam for twelve thousand five hundred points, which is a uh, which is a huge steal. Um, so you also want to look at the, the different promotions that the airlines do. Um, but uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about is, oh yeah, you also have the loyalty programs. So the points that you get on your credit cards, they don't actually count towards status, right? So airline programs have different statuses. They have, you know, typically they have like silver, gold, platinum, and the status is also really nice if you can get it, if you fly enough to get it. I used to be uh, United um, or Starlines Gold for a long time, which is really sweet because then you get to use the lounge, you get to, you know, priority check-in, you get to check in like two or three bags for free. Um, and you get, uh, you get extra miles, you get, uh, more customer support. There's a, there's a lot of benefits that come with that. But in order to get that status, you actually need to fly a lot. And, and when you start getting into that, then, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things that you want to, you know, you want to look into as to, uh, as to maximizing the, the distance that you fly, you know, so <clears throat> my buddy Ian actually, uh, he um, he flew he flew back to the U.S. from uh, from Asia, and I think he needed to be in San Francisco, and then he flew through Chicago. So he flew to Chicago first, and then to San Francisco, and which is you know a, pretty far out of the way, right? Um, and so I asked him why he did that, and you know he's he's actually uh, I think he's platinum on, on Starwood or something, Star Alliance, so he did it to get the extra miles. Because it's, you know, San Francisco to Chicago, that's another, like, 2,000 miles or something. So if you take that route, you're, you're getting an extra 4,000 miles. And then if you have status, it doubles or triples. So those are ways to, like, you know, really build up your miles when you're flying a lot. Yeah, that's, that's funny. So we just, I, I guess most of these um, loyalty programs are, are American or, like, uh, based in the U.S., right? Um, no, I mean, there's there's free international airline alliances, right? There's okay. Star Alliance, there's SkyTeam, and there is One World. And, and all those programs have airlines from from different continents, from different, uh, from different countries. So it's really an international thing. The only thing that's really tied to the U.S. is the, is the sign-up bonuses that the banks will give out, right? Those you don't really find uh, anywhere else. But other than that, uh, you know, there's, it, it works the same pretty much uh, everywhere. Okay, gotcha. And I think Star Alliance is the biggest one, right? And, yeah, Star Alliance um, is the biggest one. If, if you earn enough points, like, you can basically get a free round-the-world ticket, I think, with Star Alliance. Um, yeah, it could, could be. Uh, they, they have all sorts of promotions, but... Uh, yeah. But it's uh, it's an, oh yeah another uh, another benefit from uh, the having status is uh, you get upgrades, and um, I know in recent years the the upgrades aren't so sweet anymore as they used to be, but but I remember uh, when I was uh, still Star um, Starlines Gold, um, so I, I my program was with United United is one of the airline partners of, of Starlines. And they would always upgrade me to business class in, within the U.S. or regional 
regional U.S. So that's like Mexico, Canada, and it included Hawaii. And not only would I get upgraded, if I fly with somebody else, that person would upgrade it as well. So one time I flew from Los Angeles to Hawaii um, with a friend, and we both got upgraded to business class uh, just because of my status. And, you know, Hawaii and Los Angeles is like a five-hour flight, you know? That's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, sorry, I'm just, I'm just taking notes and just looking over some of these different programs here online. <laughs> Uh, as we're talking, and uh, you've really given me a lot to think about, Jasper. So I'm pretty excited, and hopefully, everyone listening to this got a lot of value out of it. I think I think they did. So if somebody wants to learn more, you know, where should they go? Well, I mean, there's a there's a, there's a lot of uh, resources. Um, you know, my buddy Eric has a lot of information uh, on his site. Um, and I mean, I picked him to do the course uh, together because I, I felt like he was—he uh, he really know, knows his stuff. So, if you want to know more about uh, travel hacking, I'd say let's just go to uh, abortos.com and um, you know, feel free to to check out the, uh, my, my Udemy course, of course, as well. But there's—I mean, there's lots of information available uh, on the web. So, you—if know, you, uh, you really want to get started. Uh, you know, I'm happy to uh, to answer any questions if, if people uh, have any. So it should be an email at jasperrivers at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to uh, respond. Okay, great. And you can also give us some kind of discount code you said earlier, right, for this travel hacking course? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you uh, if you want to uh, go ahead and uh, and get the course, um, it's I mean it's listed as a 97 on Udemy. But uh, I'm happy to, uh, you know, to cut that in half. So uh, make it like forty-seven dollars if you if you use the code. What should we say? Uh, Open World Mag. Sounds good to me. I have one question though. Uh, Udemy just changed their pricing though, right? That's right. Yes. So aren't aren't most of the courses priced between twenty to fifty dollars? Um, not yet. They're they're gonna be at some point. So okay. we'll 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 just make sure that the uh, that the coupon will will give people fifty percent off so of whatever the price is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's ninety seven now, um, but you might even get a discount on it because Udemy's changing the pricing, and then Jasper's being generous here and offering an additional discount of fifty percent off. So I think exactly. that's a great that's a really great deal, especially when you consider that you can uh, save a lot of money. You know, really. Kind of quickly, you know, using this, you'll be able to get free flights. Uh, so for what you're paying, you're definitely getting a lot of value. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just if you if you're in the U.S. and, and you've had a credit card for over a year and you're paying annual fees, then you know just by uh, getting that fee waived, um, we'll already you know uh, double your your investment uh, or triple or quadruple the investment that you make in the course. <laughs> and that's really just calling the bank and negotiating using the script that you have and asking them to waive that fee, right? Yeah, exactly. Very cool. That's right. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Jasper. It's been great to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Uh, always good to, be, uh, it's good to be back. Where are you now? You're at the Gramercy Hotel, right, in Manila? Is that right? Yeah, the Gramercy. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty sweet building actually in uh, in uh, in Manila, and uh, it's not a hotel. It's a, it's an apartment uh, building. It's one of the newest apartment buildings, and I'm on the 67th floor, 
so it's, uh, it's a corner unit, so it's a pretty, uh, pretty awesome view of the city. So That's amazing. Yeah. I think it's the tallest building in Manila, right? Because I've been there. I've been in a nightclub. They have a, I think they have a nightclub on the 71st floor. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's, yeah, it's called Gramercy 70, 71. Yeah, that's right. It's just four floors uh, above me. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. You're living the high life there, literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jasper. Take care and enjoy your trip there in the Philippines and the rest of your day. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me on.